welcome to episode 55 of the Tech Done Right podcast, Table XI's podcast about building better software, careers, companies, and communities. I'm Noel Rappin. Today on the show, we're talking about engineering management. Allison McMillan is an engineering manager for the Atom team at GitHub. We talk about what her role is within her team, how she helps the team grow and improve, and how the management role is different from her previous developer jobs. We'd also like to hear from you. What makes a great engineering manager? Let us know what you think at techdoneright.io slash 55 or on Twitter at tech underscore done underscore right. This week on the show, we have Allison McMillan. Allison, would you like to introduce yourself? You are a repeat, a second time Tech Done Right guest. I am. I'm so excited to be back. I think I was one of the first guests that, uh, that you all had, which is exciting. Let's see. I'm Allison McMillan. I work as an engineering manager for GitHub. I'm based in the Washington, D.C. area. I've got two kids, um, a toddler and a baby. Uh, and I also have a podcast called Parent Driven Development, which is about being a parent in tech. And I am excited to be here. There's something about I have two kids in a podcast that is. <laughs> it's like my third baby. You know, it's like thought of the idea and then it like actually came. It's it's also almost one because uh, so my baby is almost one and my podcast is almost one because I started it just before I had um, my second. So <laughs> that's good. So you can give the podcast cake. Yeah. <laughs> We are here to talk about engineering management and being an engineering manager. And I guess this starts a little bit. I'm going to start with like the complete most basic question because engineering manager, for instance, is not a title at my small consulting company. And I would imagine there are a lot of places where it is not explicitly a title. What do you do as an engineering manager? Yeah, so I think that this, uh, what an engineering manager does is very, it's very different based on what company you're you're at. At GitHub, uh, as an engineering manager, I have a team of um, individuals that I make sure that um, they are growing and advancing in their careers that, you know, they're provided with feedback that helps them grow and become even better professionals. So that's sort of the people side. And on the project side, uh, I'm also responsible for working with a PM, working with a variety of folks um, around the company to uh, you know, execute on the on the product. I'm the manager for Atom, so um, you know, making thinking about Atom's roadmap and where we're going and what we're doing, and talking to different departments around the around the company, uh, as well as a little bit of like talking to users. And that is what engineering management is for me. You're not the project manager because you said you were meeting with you you meet with a project manager. Correct. And you're not quite a personnel manager because you're doing you seem to be doing stuff that's outside of that realm as well. Mm -hmm. Is it more like being a product owner or not, I guess would be the question. <laughs> like, <laughs> who in this context is responsible for the, for setting like the long-term roadmap, the short-term roadmap and the, like the day-to-day -day implementation details? You know, we all work together as a team to do that. So nobody says like, here are the features that you're building, go build it. We, you know, like we're also the folks that are, and this is, I think a little bit unique because Adam is also open source. So we're listening to the community and we're working with, with the community as well. And sort of together with maintainers, with the team, with leadership, with, uh, you know, all of those individuals, we sort of think through, okay, what are we, 
What do we want to build? What's the ultimate goal? Um, you know, what are users asking for? What is all, what does all of that look like? And then breaking it down. And I guess part of my job is making sure that I'm looping in like all of the correct people, making sure that I'm, uh, I actually don't do, I don't jump into the code um, in terms of like, I'm not responsible for like shipping, but I also, you know, have those conversations when there are questions about, okay, what direction should we go in? What do we want to do? Uh, you know, I sort of jump in and help just ask the questions, what directions are we looking at and what are the trade-offs of each of those directions? How do we decide together as a team, what we want to do? Are we making sure that we're communicating, documenting, et cetera, for future us, why we made this decision, what it's going to, what we think it's going to look like, those sorts of things. So that seems sounds like a little bit of like keeping the engineers on track. How many engineers are you engineering managing? So I manage four right now. So it sounds like you kind of are balancing everybody's input and making sure that the whole project continues to reflect all of the different stakeholders. Is that a fair uh, assessment? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. I always think about, I used to, I used to, I'm trying to remember who the comedian was, um, who used to do a lot of crowd work and somebody would explain their job and he couldn't understand it. And he would say, what would have to happen for them to say, oh my God, get Allison. Like, (laughs) what would have to happen for somebody to say, oh, oh, we really need Allison on this. Are you spending your day meeting with engineers? Are you spending your day meeting with project managers? Like, how does that break down? I try actually not to meet with my team a lot, right? Because like you want your engineers to have lots of open time and not, you know, not have, not have so many, uh, so many meetings. You know, I do weekly one-on-ones with everyone on my team. We do retrospectives and, and sprint planning. And then I think, so I mentioned this idea of sort of, right, uh, incorporating everybody's like feedback and ideas and making sure that we sort of like know what direction we're, we're going in and, and why. Uh, and so I think a lot of my day is spent on, you know, outside of like improving the team and making sure that the people that I supervise are, you know, happy and feel like they're progressing in their careers, et cetera. It's, you know, it's meeting with other with other departments to talk about, okay, which what ways can we can we work together? I think Adam is also a little bit unique in that there are a handful of folks that are sort of on the Adam team but report to someone else uh, because it's you know it's very cross functional. So you know, I also do one-on-ones with them to just sort of talk about, okay, what's going on with the team? How are you feeling about, you know, our roadmap and what's, you know, what's, what's on our plate? Cause I think for us, like there's a technical roadmap, but there's also, you know, how are we engaging with our maintainers? How are we engaging with the community? When is the next release? What's that looking like, et cetera. So it's a lot of, a lot of moving parts, a lot of consensus building, a lot of uh, doing things like that. This is something that we've actually I've, we've actually talked about on the on the show in the past. But like, what in your situation does an effective one on one meeting look like? What do you do to prepare for it, and what makes you think that it's gone really well? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So I did longer one-on-ones when I first started, uh, and now they're they're a little shorter. Um, I think for my first couple of months, my one-on-ones were longer because I was really trying to get a sense. Uh, I was trying to get a sense of 
um, of each of my folks. And I really wanted them to get a sense of me, right? So instead of having to like directly dive into business or what was on their mind or whatnot, like I, you know, I wanted to get to know them as people and I wanted them to get to know me as a person. Uh, it's also really important because everyone's remote. Um, my, you know, my whole team is distributed. So really, and if I'm trying to limit the amount of meetings that they have in a week, that one-on-one time is sort of our, our primary FaceTime. So, you know, we talked a little bit about ourselves. I really wanted to get a sense of what influences their day-to-day work, what motivates them, um, what things they love about, you know, being on the Adam team or about, you know, the specific thing that they're working on, what things they dislike, what things they, they love about GitHub, what things they dislike, et cetera. So they were a little longer in the beginning. We also were setting goals and, you know, just, just talking through that, through that process. Now, I actually have at GitHub, we we generally use uh, repositories for everything. Um, so each of the folks on my team has, um, they have their own private personal repository. Uh, and that's where they, that's where we take notes from one-on-ones uh, to make sure that we're on the same page. That's where they, you know, will track goals, all of those sorts of things. And so one thing that I actually did that I, that I learned from someone else was I have a, an issue template in there. Um, and so I do ask all of my folks, or at least we're doing this right now, and it seems to be working for most folks. Um, so there's an issue template, and it basically starts with what's on your mind, what can we celebrate this week, what is like frustrating or confusing to you right now, um, and any feedback that you have for for myself or other folks on the team, uh, and then also what is the most important thing that you want to accomplish in in your next week. And in that top part under what's on your mind, I also have a link to about 30 different sort of conversation starter one-on-one questions so that if they're not sure what's on their mind or they're not ready to talk about what's on their mind, they can always look at that list to sort of jog some thoughts or to say, you know, like, oh, this is this is a really interesting conversation. I want to talk about this with Allison. So some folks will fill that out beforehand. They'll spend a little bit of time prepping for the one-on-one and they'll send me a link so that I can sort of see what our like quote-unquote agenda is. Some folks, we just use it as, you know, we just use the template and I sort of type you know, I'll, I'll take notes while we are, you know, having our, our one-on-one. And the nice thing about that is that I will comment on the notes and it's, it's their responsibility to close the issue. And closing issue means, yes, these notes make sense to me and we are on the same page about things um, before our next one-on-one. And a successful one-on-one to me is one where folks feel like their achievements have been validated and acknowledged where they've been able to like talk about anything that's on their mind and where they feel like they've received some sort of uh, clarity or at least had a conversation about anything that was potentially confusing or frustrating or whatever to them. Do you use the previous issues as like input to the next meeting to go back and see like, hey, you said that you wanted to accomplish this this week. Like, did that happen? And if not, like what stopped you from doing it? 
Yeah, we do. The when I um, when I take notes, usually there's a section for like action items, and anything that we've decided is sort of like a follow up that they're going to do or that I'm going to do. It gets it gets put as uh, as an action item, you know. And then I'll make sure to revisit those and see sort of like, okay, did I fail? Right? Were there action items that were assigned to me that I didn't get done? And if so, like I need to explain to them like you know, what my issue was and why, why that didn't get done. Uh, or if there's something that was, you know, that was on their plate, it's, yeah, it's a conversation of like, oh, did you have a chance to do this? You know, why, why or why not? About halfway through the quarter, we also usually revisit goals to make sure that there's sort of progress being made. And I try to give a little bit of end of quarter feedback just to sort of continually be giving, I'm sort of like an early and often feedback sort of manager. So just to make sure that we're touching base on stuff. Do you also own that quarterly goals process with them? Yes. So how does that work? This one I'm really curious about because I'm really curious as to about how different companies handle this kind of thing. At GitHub, there's no like formal quarterly goals process. So it's sort of manager preference. I have a, I guess a helper worksheet that I've developed actually based on a, on a conference talk that I did. So the goal is to have smart goals, right? So goals that they can accomplish within a quarter that are measurable. Each goal has you sort of set out the goal and then you outline sort of two or three action items. So what are the smaller things that they'll do in order to make that goal happen? I really encourage folks to not relate their goal to a specific, to like roadmap items, right? So let's say there's something that we want to, like a feature that we are going to move forward or something that we'd like to do for the product. I don't want someone's individual goal to simply be like, help roll out X feature because things change, right? And we might, a feature might take longer. We might decide to deprioritize it. We might decide to do something else. And so I try to encourage folks to think about like, okay, thinking about your career progress, right? Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in one year? In order to be there in one year, where do you sort of need to be in six months? To think about a goal that gets them there. So it could be learning more about a specific topic and then action steps are like reading a couple books or doing tutorial or whatever. It could be improving like a team dynamic in some way. So I also encourage folks to think about like individual team and company. So thinking about this career progression, thinking about where they want to get to in their career, what can they do to improve themselves? What can they do that's like sort of just for themselves? What can they do that will be something that they can learn or do more effectively that will ultimately help the team, right? So that might be like become a more effective pair or mentor or something like that. And then what can they be doing as an individual that improves them, but is in service of the larger company? You know, those are a little more difficult, but that's sometimes like a conference talk or a blog post, you know, like different things like that. So they don't have to have three goals. They don't have to have a goal for, you know, self, team and company, but I find that they're sort of good lenses when you're brainstorming goals and when you're thinking about like where you want to be and what you want to do in life and what you want to do in your career. There are three good levels to help sort of like jog thoughts and brainstorming and whatnot. 
I, I really take the point about not tying those things to um, roadmap things. Like I, not at Table XI, but in the past, I was at a company that had a six month uh, cycle and in, invariably like you'd set the goals and invariably like the project would get canceled. And six months later, yeah. like you would look, you'd go back, sit down with your manager and you'd look at the goals and you'd be like, I don't even remember what that project was. Yeah. Really the big thing is like, you know, if I look at your goals in three months and I say like, oh, none of these are accomplished. So therefore what you like, don't meet expect like it, you're not eligible for a promotion or like you don't meet expectations because the goals failed because something changed that was completely outside of your control like that's just crap yeah like, right because like how do you evaluate that like oh yes the goal was to ship project x and project x got canceled two weeks in like yeah failed success i have no idea okay <laughs> And, and a quarterly cycle, we have a six month cycle, but we have, but it's a, with pretty frequent check-ins and it's not the most like rigorous smart goal process that we're, we, we, we explicitly are, are t- tracking individual things, but like, where does that information go? Does that, the goal information, is that an input to something else? Is that an input to your regular one-on-ones? Is it an input to annual reviews or, or anything like that? Yeah. So we have, uh, we have sort of like a, a more formal six month, like six month process with, you know, larger year end reviews, a larger like annual review cycle. The quarterly goals are so GitHub has for engineers, their engineering levels, and there are things that you, you know, sh- should be doing in, in each level. Quarterly goals are sort of, uh, yeah, it sort of identifies like, and I, I asked everyone, you know, and this is something that I continually ask them, you know, where do you, where do you think your strengths are and where do you think your areas of improvement are? And then we look at the areas of improvement uh, and see sort of like where that maps to these different levels. And so, you know, in order to sort of like maintain in an engineering level or get to the next level, you know, here are some, this is a place where you can improve that where you need to improve in order to, you know, get a promotion or, you know, make it to the next level. So, you know, setting some quarterly goals based around that so that there's regular progress. So we don't get six months or a year in and say like, Hey, I know that you wanted to grow, but we actually like didn't take any time to ensure that you were taking the steps towards that next level. Um, so whoops, sorry about that. Try again next year sort of thing. The other interesting thing for me, which has honestly been a challenge is I think, well, I won't say especially at GitHub because I think this is, you know, anywhere. Some folks are okay, like they've reached the level that they want to reach and their goal is not necessarily promotion to the next level, right? Like maybe they're just like really happy with like where they are and the, you know, the influence they have at the company and the kind of work that they're doing, et cetera. And their goal is not to sort of like get to the next thing. And in that way, right, their ultimate goal is to maintain Pain, but continue continue getting even better at the items that are that are in that sort of level, right? So in that case, we really sort of drill down on like, okay, th- this is a list of things that are in this level. You're obviously meeting all of the, you know, you're doing all of the things in these level in this level, but even within that, like, what do you think? you could improve upon what do you think like what do you think you're really because there's a difference between achieving a thing in that in a level and like kicking ass at a thing in that level uh and so you know we'll talk about like okay these are the things that you're achieving 
and these are the things that you're like kicking ass on let's figure out what personal goals what professional goals can be set so that you're like even if you don't want to go to the next level that you're like continuing to grow continuing to be challenged and kicking ass on even more of these components we have a two separate processes. We have an annual review process, which is in transition and, and, and changing right now. So I can't even really speak to exactly what it is or what it's going to be. But we have this six-month cycle process that is bounded by uh, a thing where we have the employee and um, their the internal term is sponsor and then another relatively senior person. They all get in a room and they just do a big brainstorm on sticky notes of like what success would look like over the next uh, six months. And I've sat in on this, I've facilitated this for a lot of people, and I definitely see that it's definitely easier to identify new career goals for somebody who is at like an entry level or relatively new developer. Uh, I think that, that a lot of times, like as people move on in their careers, it's not that they continue, it's not that they don't continue to get better, but that sort of like rate of which at which they increase, like their acceleration, for lack of a better term, kind of decreases. Like as you were saying, like it's sometimes very hard to identify a set of goals for somebody who is kind of mid-career and not necessarily looking to, you know, and comfortable with what they're doing, not look, not looking to break into a new technology, but looking to continue to do the things that they're doing only like, you know, better. Yeah. I think also as you become more senior, you sort of like, you decide what you like and what you dislike, right? So you, you say like, yeah, I mean, I could be like architecting systems, but actually I really like, you know. Performance optimization or something like that. Right, exactly. So it's like, yeah, theoretically that's an area of growth or maybe like the next level is that like architecting systems, uh, you know, design, but that's actually not, that's like not your jam and that's not what you're into. And so you're okay with like not doing that. Right. And just sort of like hanging out where you are. But I think that especially folks that enter this industry, like I think that if you're not challenged, then you're bored. And so you still need to be growing and developing and, you know, learning new stuff that you find interesting, but it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you're not that you sort of like tried before and just are not really into. Right. Cause even if like, I really, I, you know, I've been a rails developer using myself as an example. I've been a rails developer for a long time. Now I'm very comfortable and happy as a rails developer. I do sometimes look for new things, so it's not a perfect example, but even if I was just wanted to be a rails developer, like there's still new stuff. Rails itself changes. There's new tools. Like you can't kind of stand still and still be a, a viable developer uh, for more than a few months or you know a year or something like that. Yeah, there's also a whole a whole huge skill set of like, okay, well you know it's great if you're like really comfortable with Rails, but like how do you teach other people the love of Rails or how do you communicate with others? How do you document decision? Right, like there's so much. Um, how do you weigh in on team conversations that that make other people feel like valuable, important members of the team as well? Yeah, those are the team level goals. Like, how can you leverage your uh, how can, how do you leverage your abilities to build up the team? Which is, in some ways, the definition of a more senior developer. Mm-hmm. So, you were a developer and you became uh, an engineering manager. What sort of drew you towards the engineering manager side of uh, a development process? So, this is interesting, and I think that for me, there was like both a push and a pull. So. Before I became a developer, I was uh, I was a manager 
in a, you know, in a different industry. And so the draw of engineering management for me was that I do really enjoy figuring teams out, helping them be better, helping to, uh, you know, facilitate conversations, facilitate really, you know, interactive, interesting ways of of moving products forward and moving teams forward, uh, you know, recognizing, helping individuals recognize where their strengths and areas of improvement are, um, how to get there, how to set goals. Uh, like I do, I do really enjoy um, enjoy that kind of work and enjoy that space and enjoy yeah just recognizing how people and teams can improve and can really just be an amazing experience for individuals and and also just being somebody who's you know supportive and kind and I mean I've had a lot of bad managers I feel like a lot of people have had a lot of bad managers uh, and managers can really I mean they can really make or break work experiences being a manager that helps people really enjoy coming to work and enjoy seeing what their future path is and where they say I'm looking forward to going to work because I'm looking forward to talking with my manager and my team and, uh, you know, that it's more than just sort of like a clock in, clock out sort of thing and that they feel just appreciated. So I'd say that was like the pull towards engineering management. I think for me, there is there's also honestly a bit of a push and that was that I've held a couple of positions just, you know, as an IC and I feel like I was always looking for the company that was just really great at leveling me up, right? Like taking all of like the excitement and passion and motivation and just like brute force learning that I wanted to do and just being able to sort of like foster that and like catapult me to the next level. And I think that what I found was that a lot of companies just don't really know how to do that well or really effectively because when I took this position I, I actually wasn't really looking for an engineering manager position you know it's sort of like trying to figure out what next steps might look like um, you know and where I wanted to go in my in my career I sort of always thought that I would stay technical for a little while longer and continue to be an IC and continue learning but I guess what I realized with was that I just wasn't finding that structure or that experience that would sort of like quickly catapult me technically. And so in that way, when when this opportunity for me, this opportunity for engineering management came along, it was both a really interesting opportunity to do management and to do the things that I sort of loved within management. And also that I felt like I wasn't I wasn't finding that that right fit, that right company, that right place as a self-taught career changing developer as an IC. You needed to have yourself as a manager. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or like not myself, because it wouldn't have been, I've had some really good managers. It's not just a manager, it's it's a team too, right? And so it's like a company that has a good structure in place that has the right team uh, with the right manager. I don't think it's that unusual for somebody who has kind of like the systems intelligence and the systems outlook on the management side to like wind up being frustrated in an IC role where you see if you're the person who can like see how the team works and how it should be working, but you're not the person who can really move those levers. I can see where that would be like frustrating. 
Yeah, so it just, you know, and it was sort of like the opportunity to go into engineering management at GitHub came along and it was just a really a really phenomenal opportunity and I just wasn't I wasn't finding what I would see as like the best right next step compared to this management opportunity. So has it been what you expected? Yeah, it's interesting. I recently did a little bit of sort of reflecting on Okay, since I've been a manager, like what... How long has that been, by the way? It has been full-time since the end of June. I say that because I technically started uh, like while I was on um, maternity leave. So I've, I've been at GitHub for longer, but um, it wasn't full-time until the end of June. So that's a little more than six months as we sort of taped this. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So uh, you look back and reflected on your six months and... So what I thought about was actually like what I feel like I love and what I feel like I've lost um, and what I feel like I need to look out for. Because when I did my reflection, what I was thinking about was like, man, the challenges between the two roles are so different, right? They're just, to me, they're just, the challenges are so, so different. And so, yeah, I thought about like, what are some of the things that I love? What are some of the things that I feel like I've sort of lost? And then what are some of the things that I know that I need to keep an eye out for to make sure that it doesn't become an issue? I really like that as a framework for looking back. Like, what do I love? What have I lost? What do I need to look out for? Yeah. I like thinking about what I've lost because I've lost it, not necessarily upset, right? Like, it's not necessarily an issue, but it's just the reality. I feel like when you're thinking about changing job roles, the hardest thing to predict is the stuff that you have in the current job that you're not going to have in the new job that you just assume is going to be there, whether it's responsibilities or perks or team things like that. Mm-hmm. Where I have been surprised switching jobs or switching roles, it's where I assumed something would continue from what I had been doing before and it just didn't. Yeah. I don't know if that matches your experience at all. but Yeah, absolutely. So you said the challenges are really different one way or another. Like, How would you characterize, is there a theme to how you would characterize the difference in the challenges? I guess there's an obvious answer, which is that I used to type code all day and now I don't. But is there something that's a little bit like less obvious or was more surprising? I think it's sort of a more complex version of that. Like, you know, my challenge used to be, uh, you know, okay, this is a really hard problem. How can I break this problem down? You know, what are the technical components of this problem? What are the trade-offs? Like, what do I need to Google or what blog post should I read, you know, how do I sort of like move forward? Who are the people that I can talk to? But it was all sort of architecting or like, what are the right inputs for the output that I need? And now, right, it's people. And so uh, you're still sort of like, okay, who can I talk to? Who can I, you know, who may have been in this situation before? What can I read that can help me? But there's so many more nuances to thinking about like, okay, who is this person? What's their personality? What's going on in their life that could be affecting what's going on? What, you know, like, what are they talking to me and why are they talking to me about it? Do I think it's really the problem that they're having or should we, is there something potentially deeper that we need to sort of like uncover and how, how do we move forward on it? And I think that anytime that you're dealing with like, people and emotions and, you know, what's going on in their life and, you know, and, and all sorts of things like it's just different. 
Um, and so that's why I think the challenges are so different because it's just like, okay, technically, like, how do I move forward on this? Or how can I just like, what can I just, can I try? So this is maybe this is a good explanation. Like with a computer, you can try a hundred things to see if any of them moves you forward at all. With a person, if you try a hundred things, it's going to be mentally and emotionally exhausting for them. going to get very mad at you. Right. <laughs> Like, you don't want to like, you know, try to go down one path and be like, yeah, this actually isn't working. Let's, let's go back and let's like, oh, let's try the tough love approach. I'm going to yell at you a bunch. Oh, that's not working for you. Okay. Let's try if I just like ask you a whole bunch of questions. Oh, that's not working for you. Okay. Let's try. You know, it's like, you can't do that because it's confusing and it's, it's just right. not effective. You can't recompile people. Right. <laughs> Right, right. So a couple months ago, I was talking to Jamie Hampton and they said they had just taken on a more senior role at their company and said that one problem that they had was they were used to measuring their day by the amount of code written and that when the day-to-day responsibilities were no longer writing code, there was a psychological effect that it was harder to feel productive. Did you have something like that too? Or was the fact that you were coming, had had management positions in the past sort of insulated you from that? Yeah, I think because I have had management positions in the past, I was a little insulated from that. Like, it's funny because one of the things that I have on sort of my lost list is shipping. And I think that that's like, I knew that going into this role, like you have to, you have to measure yourself and your progress differently, right? You have to sort of look at, it's not necessarily going to be a day-to-day thing. It's going to be, okay, in the last three months, like, where is my team? How are they feeling? How are they doing? Yes, we've had some tough conversations. Have we come through those tough conversations? Is there trust? Is there, you know, a, a relationship developed? Like you really have to look at it on a much larger scale. And so, yeah, so oftentimes I won't, like I won't at the end of my week sort of look back and be like, great, what did I, like, what did I accomplish? What did I ship? But I'll try to say like, okay, in the last month or in the last two, like I know that I wanted to have these conversations or kick off these conversations with people. How did, how did those go? It's interesting. One of the things that I've found that I need to keep an eye on for myself is making sure that I don't drain my emotional bandwidth at work. You're dealing with people, right? And you're having so many conversations uh, with lots of different individuals that all have lots of different emotions and different things going on in their lives. And, you know, at home, I have a three-year-old and a baby and toddlers have big emotions. And part of my job as a parent is also to help my son recognize the feelings he's having, recognize the causes, the causes of those feelings, um, you know, sort of like work through what he needs to do for himself in order to cope with these big, big emotions. Right. And so there was a time um, at work where I felt like I was giving like all of my emotional energy at work. And I found that at the end of the day, I like didn't have, you know, I didn't have as much patience for like the meltdown because like the cheese was on top of his pasta instead of next to his pasta or something, which like, you know, I don't know, as the mom of a toddler, like you just sort of need to have patience around that stuff and be like, okay, why? Yes, I understand this probably, this probably feels like the worst thing that's happened to you in your whole entire life. And maybe it is because you're three, 
Let's talk through that. That's something that I always keep an eye on is making sure that I'm not just maxing out my emotional bandwidth at work so that I still have some left for my family. I did want to have one more question that I was curious about. Like, What is something that you have either done over the six months or hope to do over the next six months that you think has made or will make you a better manager? I think right at my six-month mark, so just a little while ago, I put out a survey, an anonymous survey, to everyone that I have some sort of one-on-one with. So that's both the people that directly report to me, as well as the folks that like don't directly report to me, but that work on, you know, on my on my team in some capacity. You know, and I ask questions like, you know, where where do you see the um, the places of improvement? Have you had any sort of conflict with me? How do you feel like it was handled? How do you feel like you know? Do we feel do you feel like there was a, re- a resolution? I looked at the uh, GitHub company values and just said like on a scale of like one to five, like how, you know, rate me on how you feel like I am like upholding the you know the the company values. It was really helpful for me to see sort of like and and actually it it sparked conversations with a bunch of folks on my team because there were a few folks that were like, hey, we don't really want to fill this out anonymously, but like let's talk through these questions because we feel like they're really interesting and we want to give you this feedback. So it sparked a bunch of really good, really good conversations. Uh, and then just also gave me some, some really positive and con- some really constructive feedback about where, you know, where, where I can go and how, how I can move forward as their manager and really pinpointed a couple of things like really immediate things that I could work on. And even since receiving those survey results, like I've gotten feedback from my team that said like, Oh, we gave you this feedback a while ago and we've seen improve like you know and we've seen improvements thank you so much for like putting that on your mind and working towards improving that sounds that sounds great where can people reach you online if they want to talk to you some more about engineering management or parent driven development or anything else Yes. Yeah, so Parent Driven Development is parentdrivendevelopment.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Allie, A-L-L-I-E underscore P. That's probably, those are probably the easiest places. Great. Well, uh, Allison, thanks for being on the show. It was great to have you back, uh, back again. And, and we'll do this again in a year or so. <laughs> Sounds great. Tech Done Right is on the web at techdoneright.io and on Twitter at tech underscore done underscore right, and it is available wherever you listen to podcasts. The show is a production of TableXI, which you can find on the web at tablexi.com or on Twitter at tablexi. It's hosted by me, Noel Rappin. I'm on Twitter at Noel Rapp, and it's edited by Mandy Moore, who is on Twitter at the Ruby Rep. If you like the show, tell a friend or a colleague or your social media network or me or random people on the street. That would all be very, very helpful. And a review on Apple Podcasts helps people find the show. TableXI is a UX design and software development company in Chicago with a 15-year history of building websites, mobile applications, and custom digital experiences for everyone from startups to storied brands. Find us at TableXI.com where you can learn more about working with us or working for us. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode of Tech Done Right.